0: Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 253. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, ExpressVPN and Bombus. My name is Stephen Hackett. I am back and to restore order to whatever happened last week. And uh, it's, an, it's an odd episode, so Mike, you, you get to say hello first. Oh, hello. Hi, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad you're feeling better. Glad you're hey, sounding better.
1: I realized that last week I introduced myself first. That's because you have the episode number wrong. It's episode two hundred and fifty-four.
0: So Federico, you get to go second, but really first. The first shall be last, as it is said.
1: I like how you said you're bringing back order, and you've actually brought chaos upon the show. Is what you've actually done. This is
2: extremely chaotic uh, for an introduction coming from you.
1: I quit. I I quit from the show. I feel
2: confused. I feel confused and perplexed, Stephen Boy. You've done here. You should maybe go back to vacation or something.
0: I mean, I won't argue with going back on vacation, but uh, we're here. So we pro- should probably just keep doing the show. Mm-hmm. Can we just move okay. forward? You think?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess.
0: Over the weekend, I was at the max Dot conference, uh, John Voorhees. We should give a special shout out to who not only picked me up from the airport in Chicago and took me to the airport to leave several days later, then picked me up again when my flight was canceled, let me spend a night in his house with his family, and then took me back to the airport. John, truly my savior this weekend uh, and this week of- Was uh, that
2: a McStory's expense? <laughs> John, are you are listening? <laughs> it's between you and John. <laughs> you need to buy him
1: like a muffin basket or
0: something. <laughs> I should get him something. I should have, uh, guys, we had to talk about John's cable management. Yeah. Hunter's desk not like good.
2: That. He has a problem, right?
0: He does. And he was in the middle of like...
2: Does he have a problem anymore? Well,
0: so he was like setting up new stuff. And so it wasn't in a state that I could do it. But I think I'm going to have to go back. And, and I'm going to have to go back to Chicago and fix this for him.
2: I think you liked hanging out at John's house. I did. Hmm.
1: I really enjoyed it. No, I think he secretly enjoyed Maxlock more than he was expecting. Purely on the fact that he just got to open up a bunch of Macs in an unclean environment.
2: i'm looking i'm looking at these pictures of you doing things with mac computers and your hands Mm -hmm. and there's one that it sort of looks like a renaissance painting it's like you sitting down handling a mac mini and like a bunch of people all around you uh i could see i could see this one as a painting what is that
1: spiral thing what spiral thing you know when you like put there's like a there's like a spiral grid that you can put over artwork just like Uh, like
2: like the golden ratio Somebody needs mm-hmm.
1: to overlay the golden ratio on this and see if it fits. Because there's a bunch of things happening. Like, David's looking down at you all lovingly, and then there's some dude who's giving, like, a yes. real weird side-eye to somebody else. Like, there's yeah. just, like, a bunch of things going on. That's and I feel right. like yes. if you put the spiral on this, like, it, I think it would work.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think the Fibonacci sequence also kind of fits in here. Not sure how, but I think in all... In all Paintings with the golden ratio and stuff—the Fibonacci sequence comes into play, and so th- the composition of this picture. I think that's the thing I'm
1: talking about—the Fibonacci sequence when you draw like with that, the, that with spiral. The spiral. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes, I think that's what I'm so talking about. Somebody somebody's going to do it and and if it doesn't work please alter the spiral so that it fits because we just <laughs> want to get we just want to see it done, really. <laughs> I actually I think the golden up.
1: ratio and the Fibonacci sequence are
2: the same thing. Oh, see there you go. So I just used two words to mean the same thing. Awesome. Okay. Cuz
1: I wanted to say Fibonacci sequence, but it sounded like a math thing and it is a math thing and yeah, it's all very confusing to me. Mm-hmm. But it's a thing that people do.
0: Anyways, some people, including uh, Rose Orchard, who has a show on the network called Automators, they had some Macs that needed upgrades, and I and they just brought them to the conference, and people were asking around.
1: I find this perplexing. I, said, I find this whole thing perplexing. Like, you maybe need to help me with this. I okay. Why were people bringing their broken Macs to Macstock? Is it like a part of the conference that that like you go there and fix the computers? <laughs> no, it's not. So the the iMac was brought by Father John
0: who I think he just brought it hoping that someone would be able to put... We put RAM and SSD in it and it, because it's a 21-inch iMac and there's no RAM door on it because of stupid reasons. You have to take the logic board out to upgrade the RAM. So in that picture, the logic... I'm holding, you know, we are getting the logic board out and stuff. So took it all the way apart. So I think he just brought it hoping someone could do it. And I answered the call like Batman or some sort of doctor on a plane.
2: Wait, 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 we're... We're not calling John Voorhees Father John now, right?
0: No, 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 no.
2: <laughs> so, who's Father John?
0: He was the guy at the conference. Oh, it's
2: it, another person. Okay, okay, another person. Yes. All right. Okay.
0: Yes. Not not, not John Voorhees. Okay. Uh, I feel uncomfortable calling John Voorhees Father John.
1: <laughs> just clarifying. <laughs> but you see, I'm just, I, I find myself perplexed. Where did the suction cups come from to lift the.
0: He brought, he had all the tools and everything. I just did it. Hmm.
1: And how did they find you? How did you, you were you like trolling the tables, hoping to start opening up some computers? Like what, how did you get involved in this?
0: I was in line for lunch and uh, they're like, does anybody know how to take the glass off an iMac? Because I think he had planned to do the rest of it himself. He just needed help with the glass. And I was like, well, I know how to do that. And then I ended up doing the whole thing. It took an hour and a half, but hmm. it it all worked. For the record, both of these computers survived. And uh, so the second one was Rose bought uh, a Mac Mini, I think, in the United States. So I guess if the European Union is listening, go after Rose. But uh, she she <laughs> had brought RAM. That's
1: not where I thought it was going.
0: She bought RAM to uh, upgrade it. And uh, she had seen me do the IMAX rather successfully. And uh, she was going to do the Mac mini herself, but then said, well, you're here. Why don't you do it? So it was the first time inside a new Mac mini. so many people watching you. <laughs> it, yeah, it became like a little bit of a situation. And then actually Brett Terpster had a MacBook that needed a battery taken out. And I drew the line there. I was like, mm. I'm done. Sorry, Brett. Two is my one per day for a two-day conference, felt like enough. Uh, this is not something I'm planning on doing at conferences I go to in the future. So if you see me at, uh, you know, WWDC or release notes, some of the conference. Uh, This is not my normal, my normal MO.
2: Is it though?
1: It's not. No, see, this is the thing. It is not a normal thing that you do, but I think it's something you would like to do more.
2: And also it is completely within character for you to do this. Literally nobody is surprised. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's done. Both machines were successfully upgraded.
2: Maybe you should be like a traveling repairman. As like, if the podcasting career doesn't work out, you could have like a van and you travel the United States, maybe even Europe, and you just fix people's computers. Well, like, like it's sort of like a street food truck, but you fix computers.
0: I'm not sure how successful that would be as a business, but I do like the idea.
2: Okay, just keep it in mind.
0: Like, uh, I could be, I could be like the Matt Cowboy.
2: Sure, you can be that.
0: Ride around town to town. I have some follow out, Mike.
1: About upgrade this week. Don't give. Don't no. Look. Don't be like Mike because you knew I wasn't going to know this, right? So you should be. You should be aiming your eye at Jason. Jason. Jason.
0: So here's what here. I was going to send this to y'all privately as feedback, but I thought they might not make it in the show, and I thought, what outline do I control where I could say this? And I realized this is the time. So, talking about the six, the rumored sixteen-inch MacBook Pro. That rumor broke last week. I think that the starting price is going to be three grand, mm-hmm. which is a lot of money mm-hmm. for a laptop. Clearly this was said above the 15-inch. We've talked about this before. And I saw a couple tweets about this as well, but Jason mentioned that he thought it would be the most expensive starting price for an Apple notebook and it's not even close. So oh, I dang. went through I went through a little application called Mac Tracker which has a bunch of this information in it. And I came up with several examples of machines over $3000. Now I don't say this just to correct Jason, although part of me will enjoy that. Um I just I was supremely shocked at some of these prices. <laughs> and remember the most of the machines I'm going to list were for sale in the 90s. So this is like 90s dollars. I didn't do the conversion to the current day, but uh, a lot of Apple notebooks have been really expensive. The really only modern example of a machine over 3 grand was the original 17-inch Powerbook G4 it was $3,300, but it fell Below 3000 after its first revision, and they kind of stayed, you know, $25, 26 2700 most of its life. More expensive than the 15 inch at the time, but still pricey. But if we go to the 90s, Can I some ask, crazy things happen. These aren't yes? adjusted
1: to today's dollars, are they? No,
0: this is 19, these are original prices. So the 17 inch Power Book came out in 2002, I think, or 2003, and these older PowerBooks are all in the 90s. So these are, these are 90s dollar amounts. So it'd be even higher today if we adjusted for Mm -hmm. inflation and current day uh, dollars. The PowerBook 540 was $3,160. But if you got the 540C that had a color screen, $4,840, which is a lot of money. The PowerBook 2400C was $3,500. The PowerBook 3400C, so again, color display, If you got the 180 megahertz, it was $4,500. But the all-time most expensive Apple notebook, the PowerBook 3400C, 240 megahertz, $6,500. That's a lot of dollars.
1: That is all the dollars. It's twice the dollars. But wouldn't that one technically not be the starting price, though? So, I, I
0: mean, no, but... Starting price was still forty five hundred. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's still ridiculous. the The Macintosh Portable, which is like not really a laptop because it had a car battery in it, its starting price was Wait, six thousand five hundred dollars.
1: What do you? What I had a car battery? The
0: Macintosh Portable. It had like a lead acid battery in
1: it, like a car. Oh, okay, okay. okay. That sounds uh, safe. It
0: weighed it weighed sixteen pounds. Nice, nice, nice. And its starting price was six thousand. Five hundred dollars, and again to break from the starting price. If you wanted a hard drive in it, seven thousand three hundred dollars.
1: Computers were used to be expensive. Turns out,
0: yes. And so the sixteen inches, you know, maybe they are going to put this colored logo on it to like make it feel more authentic,
1: (laughs) expensive like the old days.
0: Yeah. That's all. I just wanted to
1: share this research because I want it in the world. I can confirm to you now that we have done this follow up. Mm-hmm. I would not have included it in follow up for upgrades, so I'm pleased that you did it I know. <laughs> I just like you it.
0: never read my ask upgrade questions about g three laptops like you just you ignore yeah. my existence unless I need to adjudicate your
1: well if you maybe if they weren't all about just really old stuff all the time and maybe yeah, I but i kinda
0: know. I got a brand to build here, man, yeah, you I mean you keep building it here, but
1: I ain't doing it for you, okay.
0: So anyways, I have no doubt that 16-inch MacBook Pro will be expensive, but it, it joins the history books of other expensive high-end laptops. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple... Uh, well, a reminder and an announcement and a half. This is confusing. Yeah, that uh, is weird. We, we are doing a live show in San Francisco on August 22nd. That We have just a handful of tickets left, so go check out that link. We would love to see you. A whole bunch of Relay FM hosts are going to be there together. And uh, we are going to be putting them through some—I um, don't want to say challenges, but I'll just say that it's going to be an extravaganza beyond anything that podcasting has ever seen.
1: I think. I think the final number is eighteen hosts. Yep, yeah. I think that's where we are. We'll be it's on a stage. Lot of people. So settle in, everybody. It's going to be a big one. Mm-hmm. We're all going to come out in one of those like tiny
0: clown cars from the circus. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, the the week before that, though, is Relay's birthday week. And the episode of that week, which is like August 13th or 14th, somewhere in there, uh, Mike and I will be having our annual Relay QA. So uh, this, we've done this every year now where we take uh, listener questions and we answer them on the show. One year we did it on a YouTube video. But we're going to put it back in sort of podcast form this year. So if you have a question for me and Mike about podcasting, the company, really anything, you can tweet with the hashtag RelayQA. And uh, I have a little uh, automation Roomba going around and sucking all those up and putting them in a spreadsheet. So <laughs> Just cleaning up the tweets. That's right. Uh, so uh, tweet with that, and uh, those will go in that episode. And I can't announce this because we have something happening tomorrow, but maybe just keep an eye on the Relay FM Twitter account tomorrow, uh, August 1st.
1: I have literally no idea what he's talking about. So that'll be fun for everyone. You do know what I'm talking I about. I do not know what you're doing tomorrow. There's things. There's things we're doing tomorrow. I don't know what they are. Oh, he's text me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that'll be good. It'll yeah. be fun. I think you'll like that. Well,
0: way to really sell it. That's <laughs> fine. I don't want to I make mean,
1: it sound like we have 17
0: new shows starring all of no, your faves. No, it's not a new show. No, exactly. It's not a new show.
1: Um, But we have some fun stuff coming tomorrow, so... You need your wallet, basically. There you go. That 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 sets expectation, I think. You'll need your wallet.
0: So that was my announcement. No, that was my reminder and announcement and a half or whatever mm-hmm. I said. Mm-hmm. So that thus endeth follow-up. We have a tiny topic, but it's really a twenty seven inch topic. The LG Ultrafine 5K, you know, it was for sale forever. Apple took it off the market for a little bit, but now it's back. And there's been a lot of confusion over the last couple of days about What can you use this display? So we're going to get to that. But the new Ultrafine, it's the same 27-inch panel as before. Same sort of clumsy enclosure. It's not the best-looking thing in the world. It's not terrible. I have the 4K. My wife uses it with her MacBook Air. And, like, it's not beautiful, but it definitely gets the job done. And, of course, the Ultrafine, you know, the the brightness and uh, and volume controls for macOS all work with it. So it's pretty well integrated, more so than, like, a Dell or an HP or some other third-party monitor. So that ultrafine, this ultrafine keeps all that the same. Uh, this one adds uh, a webcam and a microphone, which the other, the old one did not. Uh, I think I told you guys this privately. I don't think I said it on the show. When I was setting up my wife's with her MacBook Air, I thought it was broken. Like I thought it had a webcam in it. I was like, like trying to like open Photo Booth, to like check out the quality. I was like, where is it? And then I actually looked at the bezel and realized there wasn't one. Uh, this new one includes it. I have a question. And
1: yes. The Mac Mini, uh huh. does it have a T2 chip in it? It does. Does that have any kind of tie to that webcam? Because isn't that a thing in like the iMac Pro and stuff?
0: Well, so the iMac, so T2 Macs with built-in Eyesight's, yes, there's some sort of security layer there. I do not believe that that is extended to USB webcam. So I believe if I plugged in like a Logitech camera to my iMac Pro. I figured that was the case it would not gain that protection.
1: I just wondered, because this monitor is so clearly developed alongside right. Apple, I wondered if it would benefit from from that, but I guess not.
0: Yeah, I believe that uh, that's just like the internal routing and stuff. That's a good question, though. It's yeah. a really good question. Do
1: you see how much I know about Macintosh computers? that I would even throw that thing out there.
0: I like I like that you call them Macintoshes. Yeah. One upgrade is that this new 5K display now offers charging over Thunderbolt 3 to 94 watts which is higher than the current 15-inch MacBook Pro requires. So uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, 16-inch MacBook Pro, I suppose. Um, so plenty of power out of this thing for a big 15-inch. You know, you can get into a situation with these USB-C Thunderbolt machines where your, your charger can't keep up with the power drain.
1: I have been having this exact problem, and I was just about to go on a, a, a little rant here, but here we go anyway. Oh, please. Um, I have been please. trying to do some work from the sofa this week on a MacBook Pro in logic I've been needing to do some Mm -hmm. editing but couldn't be at the desk and I have Mm -hmm. a charger that I use for my iPad right like it's the iPad charger so I plug it in and all it will do is just maintain battery level right And I find it so frustrating because it's like that now the consumer has to be fully aware of the wattage power of the thing that they're using, which has the exact same connection as all of the other devices. It's so annoying that I have to do this. It's really nice, the idea of having one cable to charge so many things, but then you need to be like, well, is it powerful enough? Like, you're not going to know until you plug it in and then the battery thing says, oh, not charging. And it's like, oh, God, that is my... I'm done now.
0: No, it's super annoying.
1: It's like the it's like the future of the idea of having the one cable was great until it happened, and then we all needed to think about the wattage of our plugs.
0: It's a bummer. I mean, some of that was true in like the MaxSafe days. You're like 45 and 80 watt stuff, but the way I got around it when I I, I had a 13 inch Pro, now I have the 15, so I had to go up to the higher wattage, and I I just end up buying a second like an 87 watt charger to have at my desk and have one in the bag, so I didn't end up in that situation because that's. Super annoying. Anyways, this display can throw any, plenty of power around. When this was announced, it was kind of misunderstood as being a USB C display with 5K resolution. So people were like, oh, the iPad Pro can drive it at 5K. The MacBook, you know, the, the dead 12 inch MacBook could drive it. But that, that's really not the case. This continues to be. A 5K Thunderbolt display, and if you plug in either a USB-C only device, so the iPad Pro, the 12-inch MacBook, or if you adapt from Thunderbolt 2 up to Thunderbolt 3 with an adapter, you are limited to uh, to 4K resolution. It's still 60 hertz, but you are limited to 4K resolution. And so, this is not a 5K USB-C display. It is a 5K Thunderbolt display with a 4K USB-C mm. fallback mm. mode.
1: I mm. hate this. I hate this too.
0: <laughs> it's very confusing because now we have two cables that look the same with the ports and everything. Um, so Federico, I, I, I'm confused. I thought, I think maybe I'm wrong, I thought Apple talked about 5K output yeah. with, with the iPad Pro.
2: They did. They said that the iPad Pro supported up to 5K uh, display resolution on external monitors over USB-C, but we still have to f- actually see uh, w- a display that does this on the iPad Pro. Because I have the, I bought the old UltraFine 4K um, mm-hmm. because I knew that it was gonna support uh, 4K over USB-C. I did not right. buy the older generation 5K because it was Thunderbolt only. Uh, so, you know, I'm happy to see that Apple released a new version with USB-C, but I'm disappointed by the fact that it's limited to 4K. It's almost as if they promised 5K, but th- almost like the the software doesn't support it. Like, I don't understand why, on one hand, last November, last October, they said this device supports up to 5K resolution, but then there's actually no display that does it. Um, I'm really intrigued to see... What happens with the Apple Pro display? What's it called? XDR? A- XDR. Is it gonna have a USB C mode uh, for the iPad Pro? Uh, is it gonna support 4K, 5K, or 6K for the iPad Pro? In theory, it should do 5K uh, with some kind of letterboxing, I assume, or pillar boxing rather, um, because the iPad Pro will not be able to fill the 6K resolution of the whole display. Yep. Um, but we still don't even know whether the Pro Display XDR supports uh, the iPad Pro and USB-C mode. We don't know what it supports at all,
1: right? Like, will it support the MacBook Pro? Like, there hasn't actually been anything official, it seems.
2: I heard from a, uh, you know, second-hand source at oh, WWDC. here he goes. Teachy-tip. About, uh, Take this with a, with a, a very <laughs> cons- very uh, sizable grain of salt, sort of like a mine of salt.
1: Like those crystals, like those salt crystals.
2: Like a very chunky salt crystal. Salt crystal. <laughs> <laughs> like a thick salt crystal. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but um, the, the Pro Display XDR was being tested with um, support for the iPad Pro and even rotation. Uh, because you can rotate the Pro Display XDR and mirroring via an iPad Pro would actually uh, support that rotation of the display. Uh, so in vertical mode and, and in portrait mode.
1: There you go, tipsters. Write that up. Make sure you credit the show. That's all we asked no, for. No,
2: no, really.
1: Oh, don't do it, sorry. Don't do it.
2: I'm just going to say that I don't have the same confidence in in this as I had for the mouse support, for example. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was just just something that came up in conversation. Uh, I would like to see a USB-C compatibility mode on the Pro Display XDR. I'm not going to buy a Pro Display XDR because I don't need all all of those features. I'm not a video editor. Um, But it would be nice to have it. I mean, (laughs) if you have an iPad Pro... just and drop have, a
0: cool seven grand for a display for a twelve hundred dollar
2: iPad. You really don't want to. Uh, you really don't want to be in a situation where you buy the Pro Display XDR just as an iPad Pro display. I think, <laughs> even though you know, no, don't know like, can you
0: imagine that flex though. It's pretty, it's yeah, pretty it will be quite flex. a flex. No, no. They, Apple said the iPads didn't bend.
1: That's a different thing. Oh God! No, I thought they said they bent it a little bit, but just within their expected tolerances. Small flex, but okay. Small flex, but acceptable. Mm. Uh, I have a question, Stephen. Yes. What is the likelihood that the iMac Pro will be updated this year?
0: I don't keep up with the Xeon roadmap the way like Marco does and some other people do. My understanding, take this with a Xeon-sized grain of salt... That's
1: a huge grain of salt.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and it gets really hot. (laughs) Be careful. (laughs) It's a big hot hot grain of salt. salt. (laughs) (laughs) I really like my salt as multi-threaded as possible. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if there's Xeon W chips that are available to update the iMac Pro. Mm. I would assume, though, that we would see one, even if it's just sort of like a a little bit of a rearrangement. Maybe by the end of the year, there are GPUs they could go to, uh, faster GPUs now. And it may be that the Xeons, again, this is not something I really keep up with closely. The Xeons that are in the Mac Pro may be applicable to the iMac Pro. Don't quote me on that. I'm not, I'm not positive. But I think at the very least, there's room to go up in the GPU. You know, they they, they have um, lowered the prices on the SSD options, which is really nice. The thing that still boggles my mind about the iMac Pro we're off topic now, but the base iMac Pro is a better computer than the base Mac Pro, and I hope that I hope that if they do update the iMac Pro line, that it continues to be really good value. You know, it is at five thousand dollars; it is a very expensive computer, but for that five thousand dollar iMac Pro is a lot. It's not as upgradable or expandable, obviously, but just in raw performance, I think a better machine than the base model six thousand dollar. Mac Pro is plus you get a 5K display thrown in that's not doesn't have an LG case around it so you know hopefully this year to answer your question but I, I don't know for sure mm-hmm. um, I can tell you you know I'm coming on, up on a year and a half of ownership with this because I, I got it pretty early and I continue to genuinely enjoy using this computer
1: yeah I just I don't want to buy it like now and then it gets updated sure. in March right but like I my plan is I would like by the end of the year to update. To an iMac pro i have mm-hmm. made the final decision that the mac pro is not for me you know, okay i think apple made wow. that decision when they announced it right like that sure. it wasn't for yeah, me. Yeah,
0: the iMac pro be a great computer for you you're already in the iMac life so you're kind yep. of used to the all-in-one yep. i am and it's way faster than your old 5k and
1: there's a family member who needs a new who needs a new iMac so oh. i was like oh, okay you keep yours because i will be updating mine mm-hmm. um and uh but yeah but i, I want to go iMac pro but i don't I, I'm kind of just like trying to hold. I'm, I'm. I Basically, my plan is to hold until at least the Mac Pro is released, right? Because that would be in theory when they would release an iMac Pro if there was an update, I, I would assume.
0: Yeah. Or I think if you make it to the end of the year, I don't know. It, it's unproven, right? I mean, really, I, I really hope this is not the case. I'm not suggesting it is the case. But like it is possible the iMac Pro is a one-off.
1: Yeah, there may never be another one again. But it, it seems unlikely because of the price gap. It,
0: but It does seem unlikely to me as well. If so. I don't know. I think it'll get dated at some point, but I don't really know when. Um so let's get, can we get back to 5K and iPad Pro support for a second? Mm-hmm. Uh Federico, we I think you were starting down this road, but mm-hmm. when you plug an iPad Pro into a display, yeah. a lot of apps just mirror, right? Yes. But there there are applications. Like, I think, uh, is my node one of them, or maybe there's a text editor where like you have yeah. your working content on the iPad and the external display is like a preview of that content that sort of thing.
2: Yes. Some apps can support, um, a second screen API that's been around for several years at this point that allows them to output a secondary interface on an external display. Um, some games support this feature, for example, uh, real racing is one of them, I think, uh, Apps include Mightnode and Working Copy. they can provide you with a secondary UI on the external monitor. So, so for example, in node, you can have your iPad showing you one section of a map and the external display showing you another section of a map. Or in Working Copy, okay. you can have the text editor on the iPad and the preview, like the, the rich text preview, uh, on the display. And when they do, uh, the, because of that API, the, the preview, the, the secondary UI, is not limited to to um, mirroring, meaning on my 4K display, for example, um, when I use my node or when I use working copy, the UI that I see on the display, on the external display does not have the pillar boxing because it takes advantage of the full display Because those developers can say, we can output a 4K version of this interface on an external monitor. Otherwise, when I go back to the home screen or when I'm using any other app or feature on my iPad, I see the black bars at the sides of the UI with the metering going on center, you know, at the center of the display. Uh, So I'm curious to hear what happens um, with this 5K ultrafine for apps that support the secondary screen api can they say no we actually want to output a 5k image on a secondary monitor and can they actually take advantage of the full resolution of that display because the if they have an ipad app and the ipad pro allows them to uh, is this resolution that apple Put, put in this document uh, referring to the basic mirroring or does it include, so even if you are MindNode, for example, can the developers of MindNode say, no, we actually want to support 5K output with our secondary uh, screen API and you're going to see a 5K image fill up the entire contents of the Ultrafine 5K screen? So that, that would be my question. Like what happens with the, hmm. if, you're, if you're an iPad developer and you're using the proper APIs, can you actually support 5K or not? Uh, so that I'm curious to hear.
0: So maybe we'll get some follow-up if, if one of our listeners picks up this display. David Sparks has been trying to talk me into the two-display lifestyle, but I just I can't do it. Uh, just, the iMac Pro is enough for me.
1: It's a big display to have two of them.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of pixels. All right, we have a couple of more tiny topics, and then we have some uh, shortcuts news, and we have Apple's quarterly results, which were yesterday. We're going to get into those as well. But first, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor, And that is ExpressVPN. You may think that nobody would want your online data or want to snoop on you while you're browsing. But if you do so without protecting your privacy, you you risk just that, ad companies, hackers, people collecting your data. And it happens to every normal everyday people. And that's why I recommend ExpressVPN. It runs in the background of your computer or phone or tablet. It encrypts your data and hides your public IP address. Just download the app, click to connect, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar, and it uses a new cutting-edge technology called Trusted Server to make sure there's no logs of what you're doing online. And it costs less than $7 a month, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. I've spent many hours in airports over the last couple of weeks, and I have many more hours in airports ahead of me this month. Anytime I'm on that public Wi-Fi you know it's it's uh, it's sketchy, and I want to use ExpressVPN to make sure that what I'm doing stays between uh, me and my device. And so, uh, anytime I'm out and about, you better believe that I have ExpressVPN enabled again on my phone, my iPad, or my MacBook Pro. You can protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months for free at ExpressVPN.com/slash connected. That's E X P ressvp slash connected for three months free with a one year package you can take back your online privacy go to expressvpn.com slash connected our thanks to expressvpn for their support of this show and relay
1: fm gentlemen listeners i have some huge news okay the galaxy fold is coming all you haters Who thought it wasn't going to happen, it's happening. This is another update from the world's greatest Apple podcast in which one host cannot stop talking about folding phones made by other companies. (laughs) Samsung themselves have announced officially that the Galaxy Fold will be shipping in select markets in September... They, in their post, listed a bunch of improvements that they've made to the design. So the previously peelable top layer... Do you remember Like there was the top layer that everyone was pulling off the phone, which was supposed Mm -hmm. to protect the phone and would, in fact, destroy the phone if you took it off? They have now done the logical thing and extended this underneath the bezel so it doesn't look like it can be peeled off anymore. They've added additional reinforcements to the hinge to prevent particles from disrupting it from stuff getting inside and if stuff does get inside the hinge like dust or crumbs or whatever they put metal layers under the display and reduce the amount of open space in general so the stuff won't kind of get jammed and they've added protection caps at the top and bottom of the hinge to again try and prevent things from getting inside uh they've made some user interface uh, enhancements including this is a quote it's my favorite thing now with galaxy fold you can review charts while talking on a video call and search information all at once sure. which i just think it's brilliant i just love that they've called that specific thing out um, i like that a lot no word on the price i saw some speculation that the price may have changed which would be interesting, right? Like that may, it could change either way. Either the additional work that they've had to do could push the price up, or because of its kind of like doomed fate, they could have maybe brought the price down. I would hope so. <laughs> the idea, September, I mean, they, they're announcing it now. They'll probably have it shipping around the same time that the Note 10 starts shipping, which these things are always in September. So it's going to be an expensive September for me.
2: I'm still buying it. I'm going to buy still it. In it. I'm going to buy still it. In. I'm going to buy it. Let me tell you the two reasons. You know that you don't have to, right? Like we wouldn't hold it against you.
1: Like I want to. And I'm going to tell okay. you why I want to. I have two reasons why I want to. Reason number one is all of the reviews that I've seen of this product say, it's kind of bad, but I love it or I need it back again. Right? Like all of the reviewers that I've seen is people that I trust are like, there are some serious problems with this product but I love it for reasons I can't explain. And that is really intriguing to me because what about this product in general makes people know it's bad, but they really want to use it? And I find that uh, an interesting thought. Mm. And the so second it's kind of like is, smoking,
2: basically. It's a bad thing, but people want to do it? Sure. I'm not touching that one. Uh, this, the
1: second part is who else in our kind of extended podcast universe is going to get one of these nobody so i will at least be able to talk about something originally like i will have a thing i will know something about it this is i think still remains clearly the future of smartphones i would like to get the first one and so then i can start to have my opinions on it and i can tell all of our connected listeners what i think about the galaxy fold whether they like it or not so They are my two main reasons why I still want to get this thing. The other one is I am just genuinely really excited about it because I think it looks cool as hell.
2: It does look. Cool. That is your update. That is true. Okay.
1: Because I know this is one of those things that when I buy this, whenever I go traveling and we see each other, everyone's going to go. You're going to bring it because everyone wants to see it, right? Like if if next t- like if I buy this thing and then we're all going to see each other a few months later, you're going to want me to bring it with me. Yes. See, that's true. Because there, there is something undeniably cool about it.
0: Yeah. It's like I, I, I always travel with a Newton, but no one has to see it. So. Exactly.
1: Yeah. That might tell you something about that. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. But yeah, so there you go. September, it seems. I mean, I, I, I have like 90% faith that it will, that it will ship. Like the store part, and it's like, yeah, I don't know. But uh, Samsung have not said anything official until now. This is their first official thing. Um, so we'll see. But I remain hopeful.
0: Do you think that it is actually the first of a movement? Like you still believe that or do you think this is a weird yes. side thing that's going to go away like 3D cameras on?
1: No, no, I I I I think that this, I mean my kind of the, the the thing that I've been saying the whole time the thing that I believe remains true is like this is the like logically or science fictiony, which is the way that a lot of technology is decided anyway, right? Like the, the imaginations that people have are limited to science fiction this seems like the next logical thing, right? That you would have an adaptable screen because how, if that works, right? Like imagine that working out. How amazing is that? That you could have a phone that could become a a tablet or you could have a big phone that could be half the size and be easier to use in certain circumstances. Like that idea is a good one. It is the only place that smartphones can go from here because smartphone design, as we currently know it, has effectively reached its end because at this point all it is is how much screen like as much screen as you can fit on the body right like there kind of really isn't any way you can go from there like they've, they we're at the end of this like the the kind of the glass rectangle as it is right now people will keep doing things more cameras different authentication but the overall design the hardware design we've kind of met the end of that And the next stage of that is like, well, how do we break outside of the current form factor? Well, we could have the screens fold. And the fact that there were like five companies all working on this stuff at the same time, I believe it is something that people are trying to move towards. But this is the very beginning of it, right? Like the the very beginning. Like there were so many bad touchscreen phones before the iPhone. The iPhone wasn't the first phone for a touchscreen. There were loads of them, but they were bad. They had lots of problems, mm-hmm. but even then, we knew that like this isn't good, but it's clearly the future. And I think that about the Galaxy Fold and all this stuff. Like this isn't as good as it should be, but it's clearly the future. That's my opinion on this. Um, and it might be that like it's doomed because we just can't do it until glass can fold. And if that's the case, then people will keep trying to make foldable glass, and we'll see where the future goes. But if the technology can work out, even like a very basic level. I see this as being something that all of these companies are going to start pouring more time and effort into.
0: Uh, I hope it works out. I hope they fixed it.
1: <laughs> uh, sa- if it go on.
0: If it fails again, it's over. You, it's can't, you can't do this twice.
1: If it fails again, the Galaxy Fold is dead. You know, like Samsung, bless yeah, them. they got to fold it up, you know. but, but yeah, There you go. Samsung, Samsung have no shame with things like this, right? Like... The notes are exploding on airplanes, but they just made a new one. Like, they don't care. But, like, you know, they would... If this doesn't work, they will just, as you say, fold it up, they'll wrap it up, put it away, and they'll just try it well, again. we we'll going to talk
0: about the Galaxy Pixel 4.
1: Well, oh, and the Google Pixel 4.
0: Yes, what did I say? Galaxy? Galaxy, that's, yeah. yeah. that's Samsung. The Google mm-hmm. Pixel 4. Google's doing this wild thing where they're just telling people every, everything about the phone, and even though it hasn't been announced yet. Yep. Uh, they have shown the back camera module... Well, first they just confirmed its existence and then yeah. they showed the back camera module. Now they're showing face unlock and uh, this weird gesture thing, which is, speaking of Samsung, very Samsung, like this woman waves her hand over the phone and then the pages advance, <laughs> whatever she's looking at. Very strange. Uh, Google has experimented with this before. I believe they bought a company that was very influential in like early like gestures and they use IR and other things to like track your hand movement and stuff. Um, The front camera system will include two IR cameras, radar, dot projector, flood illuminator, similar hardware as it's in the iPhone 10 and the iPad Pro and everything for Apple's Face ID. And uh, Google says it's going to be more fluid though. So um, this is from a MacRumors article that when you reach for the Pixel 4, the face unlock sensors are activated. And un- the unlock sensor recognizes you, and the phone will open as you pick it up. So I think we've all experienced where you pick your phone up, and there's like a pause, and then it and then it opens. Uh, this seems to, if it works the way that it's being pitched, that that wouldn't be there. You basically just pick up your phone. It sees your face from any angle, and you're good to go. This would be great. And if, if Google has gotten this working, and, and it's m- more forgiving than Face ID, that's good for everybody. So I mean, it'll give Apple a, a benchmark.
1: Google are also saying it work in any orientation as well on the phone,
0: which the iPad does, but didn't come to the phone. I would suspect that will come to the iPhone at some point in the future, but you'd expect so. It hasn't.
1: Um, there's also like Google have said in a, in a kind of a blog post that accompanied this, um, it's going to be all on device as well. Yes, which
0: they uh, they have to say because they do so much server processing. People mm-hmm. are you know have trust issues with Google, which is mm-hmm. understandable. Um, this is so interesting to me. Not the face unlock stuff. Like, this is just going to be the new norm. Uh, but the fact that how they're rolling this out is really hmm. interesting. Apple and, um, you know, other companies generally, you know, leaks happen, right? But then Apple gets on stage or whoever, Samsung gets on stage and says, this is the new phone. These are all the features. Samsung has done a little bit of this sort of, in, like, Self leaking with the the new uh, note, which is going to be coming out pretty soon. But this is a new move for Google, and I, I'm curious what y'all think. I think it's fascinating, and I think it's it's a way to keep this phone in the conversation longer. Because look, the fall is going to be flooded with iPhone news, Pixel news, Galaxy Note news. We a lot of phones. We're right we're right on the edge of phone season again, and the Pixel Four can be in multiple news cycles now. And Google, look, Google doesn't sell a lot of these things. I think if they want this to be successful, they just need to try new things to get people's
1: attention. I think this is a pretty good way to try try doing that. Yeah, I think that there's always been an old argument of like, oh, you can never talk about, was it Moore's Law, right? Like, is it Moore's Law? Uh, the way you can't talk about a product beforehand. No,
0: that is, uh, Moore's Law is like things get faster over time. X yeah. Um that is the Osborne effect. The Osborne so, effect, that's it. The Osborne mm, computer yes. company,
1: right? Um, that's right. They the idea of like, oh, you can't talk about a product when you like it's gonna replace another product because it means that you'll won't sell any more of the current one. Who at this point doesn't know there's gonna be a new iPhone every September who wants an iPhone? Who doesn't right. know this? Right? Like the, the idea, well, and, of, and even
0: even in iPhone sales, you see every year this quarter they just ended is always down before yeah. they sell new ones because like,
1: everybody knows like the only people getting them, people getting them on deals, are people that just don't care, right? Mm-hmm. So like if if you care about the new iPhone, you're not going to buy an iPhone in August, right? Like it's just mm-hmm. not a thing that you would do. So there is an interesting argument to be made for like, well, why not do this? You're ahead of the leaks. You're like the first time anyone's seen that the Google Pixel Four is going to have face unlock. Is by a flashy promotional video that Google made mm-hmm. so you are now running the PR on it again because there's no leak to be made now you made your little teaser it's interest it's an interesting like way of doing it, and I don't think that the the argument of like you I know you said this, but I don't believe you're making an argument like oh they sell none of them anyway so they can afford to do this I don't think that it, that that really holds true anymore because we all know that there's a new phone. There's like a, there's going to be a new Galaxy in March or April. There's going to be a new Note in October. There's going to be a new iPhone in September. Everybody knew there was going to be a Pixel 4 by the end of the year, like in September or October. Like Everyone knows it if you're paying attention. If you're not paying attention, you don't care. But anyway, I think that this is an interesting way of doing it. They're getting ahead of leaks. Nobody else is really trying it. Google is in the position where they can try things that, that are against the established norms because they're operating at such a... Uh, weakness right like against their against their competition like they sell so Mm -hmm. many fewer phones than everybody else that they can maybe play around of what is expected to be the norm i think that the gesture thing is stupid i I really want to see why anyone thinks that that's a good idea i'm intrigued to see how they try and pitch that like why is it better to to wave your hand in front of your phone and and touch it
0: well and, and samsung has tried that sort of thing in the past and it's flopped
1: well, I mean, my expect my expectation of that is that the technology wasn't good. Like LG tried to do this once, th- more recently as well. Like, but maybe with all of these different sensors that these phones have in them now, like it might work flawlessly. But like, what's the mm-hmm. point? Right? Yeah. Like,
0: even if it does work, does anyone care?
1: Like, why do you need it? That's, that's why I really want to see what the reasoning is.
0: We've all been in a situation. Where, like, we're cooking, or we've washed our hands. Our hands are wet. We need to touch our phone. It doesn't work, or we get water on our phone. That's. Once a week or something, right? That's not that's not a reason to build a feature. So I'm very curious to your point, how they sell it.
1: And also, I just think that that technology is better used in a different device than an i than then a phone, right? Like it is better. It used makes more in sense a, for a
2: computer, a computer,
1: a tablet, or something yeah. like an Echo Show, right? Where it's like it's looking at you anyway, right? Like I mm-hmm. think it makes more sense there. Like even in the ad the phone is like floating in mid air it's like yeah if if the phone was floating in mid air in front of my face i might want to do this but i'm holding it right so like it doesn't i don't think it works the same way but i am really intrigued by google's claims about their face unlocking because this feels like something that the leader in in face recognition would probably be pretty good at right like and i know that a lot of stuff is done in on servers for them but they must have learned by now how to turn a lot of this stuff into code that can live on a device, like algorithms that they can build. Yeah. So I'm super intrigued to see just how good it's going to be on the Pixel 4 because I bet it's really good. Like I would expect that the reason that they can do the Any Orientation thing on the phone... And I don't know why I don't know what the difference is. Apple's never said why the iPad can do it but the iPhone can't. But like the I I would expect the reason that Google's able to do it is because they're just good at the algorithms needed. Like this is just the thing that they can do. So it's just gonna work for them.
2: This is the same company that runs a photo service that can recognize a child, you know, through the various stages of their lives until Exactly. You know, that person is like forty. It's yeah. in Google Photos you can do that and it's uh, remarkable really i cannot use it in italy due to european union regulations i think but i've what? seen yeah i think some of the features of face recognition in google photos um and also on facebook uh due to eu laws that we cannot use them but can be used in the united states Um, So some of the more advanced face suggestions and uh, sort of, uh, I think, automatic naming, maybe. Some of those features uh, cannot, at least until last year, they couldn't be accessed in the EU. That
1: might be for the best. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. No, you
2: know, fine. <laughs> but it's up but I've seen examples uh, you know, on Twitter of people sharing like screenshots of Google photos, guessing correctly that the child from twenty years ago is a person in their photo album now, and it seems to be working and it's mm-hmm. quite impressive and kinda of scary at the same time.
0: Anything else about
1: phones maybe other companies we we'll to talk about?
2: <laughs> TikTok are making a phone. <laughs> I saw that.
1: That's gonna be an absolute <laughs> disaster. <laughs> Did you remember a Facebook phone?
2: Yeah, the wasn't it like a Huawei phone? Was it a
1: Huawei uh, phone? Uh yeah, yeah, it wasn't none of these companies seem to make the actually make these this stuff on their own. But uh MKBHD just did a video about the Redmi K20 Pro. Um this is one of the phones that I wanted you to go look at in the Me store Federica. Mm-hmm. Uh and it looks like it's like this crazy good phone for like $400. There's some real great value phones in the Android world now. It's really kind of Amazing. So there you go. You wanted something else, there's something else.
0: This episode of Connected is also brought to you by Bombus. You probably don't think about your socks all that often. I don't, but I'm busy. And uh, we still don't have time to think about that sort of thing. But let me tell you why you should, why you should think about your socks, why you should think about Bombus. We've all had socks that don't fit well. They're uncomfortable by the end of the day. Maybe they're too warm. You know, it's summertime, and you're wearing low-cut socks, but your feet still sweat. Uh, Bombas, they make the most comfortable socks ever. And they're made from super soft, natural cotton. And every single pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, which, like, that toe seam is super annoying on lesser socks. Bombas does away with that. And a cushioned footbed that's comfy without being too thick, so you stay comfortable and they have, it seems like, endless colors, patterns, lengths, and styles, so they look great in the gym, at the office, or when you're out on the town. Your feet, they are dreaming of Bombas right now, and for every purchase that you make, Bombas donates a pair of socks to someone in need, which is super cool. Buy your Bombas today at bombas.com connected, and you'll get 20% off your first purchase. That's B O M B A S dot com slash connected for twenty percent off your first purchase. Your feet will thank you for it. The URL one more time is Bombus.com slash connected. Our thanks to Bombus for their support of connected and all of Relay FM. So we have a new iOS 13 beta. It is developer beta five, public beta four. And Federico, there's some stuff going on with shortcuts. What has happened?
2: Yeah, and this latest beta Apple has uh, done the surprising move at this stage, I mean, we're basically in August, of disabling a major feature of the new Shortcuts app, which is built into the system. Uh, They have disabled the new automation feature that allows you to run shortcuts um, by using various types of triggers. Uh, that in- Those include schedules or location changes or every time you open an app. That feature has been, according to some Apple engineers on Twitter, temporarily disabled. And I think Apple also uh, wrote this in the uh, release notes for this beta. Um, in addition to the automation tab being gone from the Shortcuts app, Apple has also removed for now the ability to run shortcuts as part of uh, HomeKit automations. So in the Home app, it used to be that until beta 4, you could uh, create a shortcut uh, using the shortcuts editor, but inside the Home app, uh, that feature is also being removed for now. Um, they say that it will be back. My understanding is that it will be back in this beta cycle, so it should be in the in the public release. So it's to ship. It, it should ship in the public release of 13.0. So not thirteen point one, not thirteen point two, but in in the in September, if it comes out in September, I don't even know. Uh, it seems to me that. Um, it's it's unusual for Apple to do this in early August to to pull a major feature. This is one of the major features of the new Shortcuts app. And to say that it'll it'll be back, it's been temporarily disabled. It feels kind of late for that. And considering the the general state of, you know, iOS 13, it's not the most stable beta that we've had so far, you know. Uh, folks have had all kinds of issues related to iCloud Drive, for example, and iCloud Sync. And I still get the occasional springboard crash, for example. Um, Uh Apple is still changing, and we're going to talk about it in a few minutes. Um, New features and new design, like the share sheet, for example. It feels like a different beta cycle.
1: Yeah, multitasking just flat out doesn't work in a lot of places. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't, you cannot uh, in any way take an app from the home screen and put it into multitasking. Yep. Most of the time, apps from Spotlight don't work. I can't drag them into multitasking. Yep. There is a lot of just like fundamental stuff still broken in Bayo 5.
2: It really makes you wonder if this is an OS that can have a GM in a month. Like, I, I, I struggle to imagine <laughs> well, how like, ind- they can. Like, mm. I'm, I'm not, when I say they
1: can, I'm not saying it will be fixed. But, like, they have done stuff like this before, right? Where it's like, well, it shipped and it wasn't good. But they shipped it anyway. Because what are you going to do? They've got to ship it.
2: But they're making the promise that iOS 13 continues down the road of stability of iOS mm-hmm. 12. So they're making a big deal out of performance and stability publicly on the website, in the, you know, in the, in the features page on Apple.com. They've set it on stage So it's not like... I got the best part of two months. You know, it's not impossible to fix. In any case, uh, I'm really I'm really bummed that this feature was removed uh, because I was using it a lot, uh, especially for NFC, NFC stickers in the Shortcuts app. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I've talked to you about it before. I have a bunch of stickers um, all over my apartment that are now useless for now because my phone was upgraded to Beta 5 and now those stickers are just... I
1: thought it was just the, the creation of them. It's actually also if you're using any, they also die.
2: Oh oh yeah, the the, the whole feature is gone. Um, And also I was relying on it as part of my new HomeKit automations uh, for um, sending me notifications and and running shortcuts within the Home app. I left one of my testing devices, the 11-inch iPad Pro, on beta 4. And because it's an iPad, it can also work as a HomeKit hub. And therefore, I've confirmed that if you leave beta 4 on that device, on any device that you have, those automations will keep working. So my HomeKit automations are working because they're going directly to that iPad Pro running beta 4. So it's running it's running that code because it's still there. It's still possible. Um mm. But of course, with my iPad Pro, I cannot use uh, NFC automation, for example, or location changes, because that I, you know, I, I, you know, go around town with my phone or with my iPad. So at least the HomeKit stuff I can still use personally, because I have an iPad on Beta 4, and I'll probably leave Beta 4 installed until the feature is back. Um, but otherwise, it's it's really it was really surprising to me to see this feature just being disabled. Like in you know, in beta five, disabled until further further notice. Like that's that's very surprising to me. I don't recall an instance of this happening before, and that uh, again, personally speaking, has forced me to revise my writing plans for the review, so I'm skipping the shortcuts chapter for now and going directly into the iPad chapter, which was uh, in my outline, in my notes, was after shortcuts, but I don't want to write about shortcuts until the feature is back and I want to see what it's like. I made the same decision for the share sheet and that paid off quite well because the share sheet is entirely new in Beta 5. Thankfully. I think we complained uh, about the share sheet here on the show before, but basically... And on Adapt uh, as
1: well. And on Adapt.
2: Yes. So the changes in Beta 5 don't make it perfect. There's still a few things that I would like to see, but I think it's much, much better than before. Essentially, you now have three sections uh, in this. Well, you have the the, the new share sheet as the top rows with the horizontal scrolling icons. Uh, One for contacts, the other for share extensions the bottom section so the 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 actions that's now organized in three subsections you have your favorites act you have your favorite actions you have the app specific actions and you have everything else so the app specific actions would be for example in safari you have an extend you have an action called add bookmark or uh, find on page. Those actions are specific to the Safari browser. Uh, the Twitter app, for example, as copy link or open in Safari. Each app tends to have its own. Um, they're called activity items. Uh, each app tends to have its own. So it's good to have a section just for that. Uh, I would like to see, however, some kind of text label that says these are Safari actions or these are Twitter actions to sort of make it more, cl- more clear. But I can leave without one. Um, you can pin all kinds of actions, whether they are third-party extensions or shortcuts or app-specific actions to the very top uh, of the share sheet now. So you can, and you can mix and match between them. So for example, right now in Safari, I have at the very top copy, which copies the link uh, of the current page. That's a Safari action. I have the one password extension and I have um linked post, which is my shortcut that, prepares a link post template in my text editor. So you can put all kinds of actions up there for easier access. And finally, at the bottom, you have everything else that includes all other uh, actions, all other extensions, and all, other, all your other shortcuts. It's still kind of weird how you actually manage these actions. Uh, there's a strange mismatch of plus buttons and toggles and handles, like there's lots of ways to enable and disable these actions, and rearrange them, sometimes you tap on a plus button, and it adds it to the top, sometimes you tap on the plus button, and, and it, like, it does something else, but then you can also enable and disable with the switch, uh, the UI to manage your actions is kind of confusing for now, uh, but really my main problem um, that I think I also brought up the last time is the, uh, the cognitive load required to visually scan through all of these actions. And, and my problem is the fact that the text label is on the left side and the icon for each action is all the way to the right. So my eyes mm-hmm. have to scan an entire line to see, oh, okay, this is add bookmark, and then I have to travel with my eyes to the right side and see the bookmark icon. And that's not just how I think humans um, work in the sense of seeing a text label right next to, to an icon, that is so much easier in terms of being able to scan information and, and digest information. Imagine if you were traveling you were driving and you had a sign on the left side of the road and and a text message like, a, uh, you know, like stop or something else. Usually you have the indications related to the sign on the complete opposite end of the other Sign that would be inefficient, uh, so that 's why on, on roads you tend to have if, if a sign requires additional text information, they are placed next to each other, or you know with one directly below the other and that 's what I would do I would, put the, I would put the icons I would put the glyphs directly on the left of the text label because right now it's, it just seems wildly inefficient to have text on one side and icons on the other, and also I wouldn 't mind uh, some color. It's all uh, used to be blue Uh, before. I think now the new share sheet is black and white, the bottom section at least. Uh, You have black icons and black text and a white background. And I mean, sure, uh, but really, uh, especially for my shortcuts, my shortcuts have colors in the app, and I would like to see those colors in here. But I guess that Apple... I
1: love my colorful shortcuts.
2: I do as well, except that I used to prefer the older colors, which were brighter and and, and, and funnier and more, you know, vibrant. The new ones are... Uh, don't want to talk about them.
1: They're pretty dull. They're muted, aren't they? Some really?
2: people are saying, yeah. well, it works better for dark mode. Well, just make them dull for dark mode then. Don't change them, uh, you know. Apple is doing this for dark mode and light mode, so yeah, they could do the same for shortcuts. Anyway, um, overall, thumbs up. They're going in the right direction. Uh, the placement of the, of the icons still leaves a lot to be desired, but I think they're getting there. Slowly, but they're getting there.
0: Can you add emoji to to shortcut names? And would, mm. and does that populate in this share sheet? Oh,
2: well, you can add... You can add names, last time I checked, uh, but do they show up? That's a good real-time follow-up. Let's see, do they show up in the share sheet? So That's also a good, a good solution, too.
0: Yeah, because you get around the icons being on the wrong side.
2: So if I add an Apple Watch emoji to this shortcut, my theory is it doesn't show up. Let's see if I'm right or wrong. It does show up, so I'm wrong, so that's nice. It's a life hack. It shows up, so you could use... Uh, really, you know, I, I was thinking about this... Uh, today there should be and i'm filing an official complaint to jeremy burge there should be more colored (laughs) dot emoji (laughs) there aren't enough colored dots like i think there's only Mm. like a red dot maybe a black dot and like like a blue square and an orange square but like sometimes i just want to use colors for something that i despise not necessarily that i love uh Mm. you know like I don't want to put hearts next to my tax documents. Like I don't love taxes. Why? Why should I put a heart next to them? I just want a colored indicator. So there should be more colored dots. Either circles or squares will be fine. Triangles will be interesting, but I would prefer a circle personally. Um, so Jeremy, get on that, please. Um, yeah, there's only like a
1: white, a black, a red, and a blue in dots. Like
2: there should be, there should be more, more you know, rainbow representation in term in, in emoji. Um, that being said uh, again the share sheet uh, they're slowly fixing whatever they did with the first version in the first four betas they're getting there um, overall I'm a big fan of the top section of the share sheet it works really well everything else we'll see We'll see where they land the sweet solution is once again a sweet solution
1: maybe sweeter than it ever was it's really interesting I saw this from your co-host Ryan who also works at Mac Stories um, Federico that Apps mm-hmm. that can be that, like, I don't know what an app has to do exactly, but t- to be able to be included into this, but apps that yeah. will donate like an app icon if sorry, websites that would donate like an app icon if you save them to the home screen uh, and like go through that whole thing, stuff like Instagram and Twitter. If you save those now to the home screen and then open them again, they look like apps. It gets rid of all the Safari Chrome. And mm. they show up in, like, multitasking with the name of the website as if it was an application. So Instagram for iPad, I mean, that Instagram's web view is pretty good anyway, but now it feels more like an app than it ever has. I mean, you can't post photos, but you can at least browse really right. nicely, mm. so...
2: Allow me to have a brief teachy teaches segment here. Um, So these are called uh, are called progressive web apps or PWA, Um, and there was some confusion surrounding Ryan's tweet. Uh, that tweet was very successful, uh, but unfortunately, the feature is not new in iOS 13. Uh, Apple has been making these improvements, um, and Ryan actually issued a correction afterwards. Uh, but still, let me talk about it so uh, that we all know more about this feature. Um, Apple has been steadily improving pro- progressive web apps since iOS 12.2, I think. And that's, uh, those improvements included things like uh, the custom icon um, that you see in the app switcher, uh, the full screen UI that does not show you a Safari toolbar, um, state restoration uh, for actually showing you the last... Uh, screen you you, you you used when you open the multitasking switcher um, the web share API which is a, uh, it's a web API that allows uh, web apps to bring up the system share sheet even though you didn't t- actually tap the share sheet icon um, you have a bunch of CSS improvements you have support for the keyboard color picker, it's literally a color picker in the Apple system keyboard, so there's a bunch of improvements that Apple brought uh, last year with iOS 13, I think they are making even more improvements to, to progressive web apps, um, if I'm not mistaken. I think you should be able to use them in split view. And I think um, if you're a developer, you should be able to inspect uh, with the web development tool uh, those web apps. And there's something else that I'm forgetting right now. But really, the main improvements that Ryan mentioned were from last year. That said, Apple is, is still bringing more announcements to progressive web apps in 13. And you can test these types of like sort of richer web apps um, with Twitter, with Instagram, with Pinterest. Uh, I think with Uber maybe or something else. Um, they, I guess the goal is to sort of replicate the experience of a native app. But with a web app, so you just go to the website, to a, a website, and you add it to your home screen, and it's sort of like having a real app. It's really not like having a real app for you know the simple reason that on iOS at least, uh, web web technologies do not advance at the same pace as uh, system technologies. So, for example. PWAs are getting uh SplitView support now, but SplitView actually came out in iOS 9 to give an example. So it's a good way to replace or to use something like Instagram that doesn't have a native client on iPad. Now, if you actually save the Safari web app to your home screen, it's sort of like having a real app, but it's not because it, you know, it's not built with a with an actual native SDK. Still. It's a very nice improvement. Uh, just the things that Ryan mentioned came out last year. And uh, if you never tried it before, go to a popular website, try to add it to your home screen, and you will notice that when you launch it, it will not take you to Safari. It'll take you to a full screen view that sort of behaves like a real app.
1: Even if it is existing, it's something I didn't know anything about, and it's super useful, yeah. so people should know about it. So you can still be happy about it. Even though it's not new. This could have been one of those tweets where it's like, hey, did you know your iPhone could do this? And then it gets like 75 million retweets. Yes. yes. Yeah, could have been one exactly. of those. So close, Ryan. Could have been one of those. Let's talk about quarterly results. Okay. Apple
0: made some money, made it in some interesting ways. <laughs> um, we got a bunch of links in the show notes.
1: I like you say that, like interesting ways, like they did something they shouldn't have done. Tim
0: Cook's lemonade stand really turned an impressive profit. It's
1: Warren Buffett sort of newspapers
0: uh the company generated fifty three point eight billion dollars in revenue up one percent over the year ago quarter it was by just a tiny hair the third largest quarter in apple history uh mac revenue was up 11 percent ipad up eight percent services up 13 percent wearables up 68
1: percent can i give you a correction it was the the, the third, I think the largest third quarter, not the third largest quarter.
0: Oh, the largest Bit third quarter. Huge difference.
1: Quarters. Huge difference. Yeah. No yeah.
0: one cares about the third quarter.
1: No, because it's the quiet quarter.
0: It. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Wearables up 68%. iPhone was down 12%. Uh, we will get to the iPhone mm. services, an all time high of 11.5 billion. Of course, this is before Apple Arcade, Apple TV Plus. Any podcast move. These things aren't here yet, right? This is Apple Music, Apple Care. News. <laughs> news Plus. Didn't, they didn't
1: mention news, did they, in the quotes? Didn't mention yeah. that
0: one. It's uh, the the hundreds of people who were in News Plus. Accidentally. Yeah. Accidentally. Forgot to turn off their their subscription. Uh, they said that they've surpassed 420 well, million paid su- subscri- subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Which is like... That's a number of people that is big. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. It's unclear to me if what counts is like paid subscriptions. Like, is that just Apple Music? But you can pay for Apple Care monthly. You can also pay for your iPhone monthly. Them. Does that get yeah. rolled into this? I think it's all. Here's of it, right? the thing.
1: Yeah, because they want this number to look good. That is everything. If you give money mm-hmm. to Apple for anything on a recurring basis, or you buy something that lasts for a year or whatever, like Apple Care. Right? Actually, you don't keep paying them for Apple Care, but you do it once. They will count that in this number because they need this number to look as good as it can. It's not a lie, right? But like, they just they will pump it up with everything. Because I mean, who who would really say that AppleCare is a subscription? No one's thinking about AppleCare as a subscription, right? But like, they are including it in that number.
0: They also talked about Apple Pay. They are completing nearly one billion transactions per month, which is twice the volume of a year ago. Apparently, they are now have completed their coverage in the European Union. Uh, they're in now 47 markets. And uh, they threw PayPal. This is Shade PayPal's way. Based on June quarter performance, Apple Pay is now adding more new users than PayPal, and monthly transaction volume is growing four times as fast.
1: But I don't know why so. this should be a surprise. PayPal's been around for like 20 years. Yeah. I, I just, it doesn't make, it's, it's like, yeah, okay, like, you're growing congratulations right like it's, it's sure i mean i i understand why they do this but like it's the logic of it it's weird it fails at the logic you want to tell us about the iphone 48 percent uh of revenue so it, it it's it, this is their overall revenue so if you imagine all the money apple makes the iphone is now less than half uh it has not been this way for a very long time um iphone revenue was down 12 percent from last year but it is a significant improvement to the previous decline that they've seen. So, like, the decline in this quarter wasn't as bad as the decline in the last quarter. So, that's I suppose, a good thing. Um, Tim Cook specifically called out the fact that the in-store trade-in and financing programs have been doing good for Apple, which you'd expect considering how heavily they push it. Very. I saw Mark Gurman tweeting that Apple is promoting a buy one, get one free on the iPhone 10R at the moment, which is just like a hilarious thing to see in an Apple store. Um, then they talk about the fact that, you know, it's like... We're, its satisfaction's great, and all of our markets in all time highs. The news here is the fact that the iPhone is forty eight percent of our revenue, and you can. There are a couple of different ways to slice this. You can either show like that's not good, right? Like because the, the, the Apple is the iPhone company, or you can say, "Oh, this is interesting. Their other products can hold them up now." So yeah. there are arguments to be made for both of those things uh, because. They didn't actually have a revenue decline. They had, but what they had was steady revenue, which they also don't want, but there wasn't a revenue decline. And the Mac, the iPad, the services, and wearables were all up, therefore showing that even when the iPhone is starting to decline, Apple is able to keep revenue at least steady now based upon the improvements that they're making in other areas. This is not a good news story but it is not a bad news story
0: well they just continue to to go down the evolution of being a services company and we're going to talk about wearables like it takes a lot of airpods to equal the revenue of a single iphone but clearly there you know these other sections of the company are doing really well so mm-hmm. it is strange uh, i i kind of from like the product perspective like this news that the iphone is is you know now less than half of their revenue because it feels like Okay, maybe they can spread some attention to other things, like that they realize that other things are need need to pull more weight. So uh, clearly, that's services right now, but if there's other hardware in the future that they think could pick up some of the slack, I kind of think that maybe they would. I think it's just services.
1: I don't think really like if you look at the pure revenue numbers, they can make significant gains in any of those singular categories. I know you're thinking of the Mac to really hold up what they're dropping in iPhone. No,
0: no, I think actually I'm thinking about future things like AR glasses or sure, sure, whatever's I mean, next. That's
1: wearables, right? Like I'm, i know you're not saying, but it's like that goes stuff that goes into the wearables category. This is why they are looking, right? Because I think that what Tim Cook and Luca are probably very aware of is all they're doing right now is chasing the next golden egg because services they will run out, right? Like you only have so far before you've got all your customers, right? So that's gonna, this is a greatly growing thing for them right now, but you will hit a saturation point there as well. So what they need is a new big product, right? Apple Watch ain't it, right? AirPods ain't it. Both successful, but they don't make them enough money. They're not even selling enough Apple Watches and AirPods aren't expensive enough. So there is going to be another thing, you would expect, at least that's probably what Apple are working on, uh, and then they just haven't found it yet. I think they were probably hoping to find it before they got into this position with the iPhone. I think it's been very clear that uh, Apple was taken by surprise with the iPhone 10, and you can we're in the fallout of that. But uh, they, I expect that they thought it was going to continue to do gangbusters for them until they were ready with their Apple product but they're not so much. So they're continuing to push the services narrative, which was already a thing they were working on anyway, but they're at a point, I think, where they've been caught by surprise with their main hardware product, not not meeting the excitement that they were hoping for, I think.
0: Uh, let's, let's talk about wearables. So it's a sensational quarter is the text label we got for the Bezos graph this time, with growth accelerating to well over 50%. 50% of what? or from where, no one knows, because we don't have numbers on this stuff. But uh, they said that the June quarter revenue record uh, was set for the Apple Watch this time around. 75% of customers buying the Apple Watch in the June quarter were buying their first Apple Watch. This I statistic found that- is
1: always so crazy to me, because I feel like we hear that statistic a lot, like for the Apple Watch and for the iPad. And it's so confusing to me, because it's like, How then? You know, like it also seems so strange that you'd expect there would be way more people that own them. I think Apple used this statistic in products that don't have a uh, good refresh rate, right? So like they they use this as a way to show when people aren't buying a new Apple Watch every year, right? So people hold on to their Apple Watch for a while. So this statistic is accurate, but sounds good. Where maybe for the iPhone... That number isn't so good because people buy new iPhones. I don't know.
0: Or, uh, I mean, it may be about that. What I think about is just that it is a younger product mm-hmm. and people are continuing to be introduced to it for the first time. Like Right, but they, they used to have... say
1: this about the They're... iPad until the iPad started to turn around again. They used to say like, oh, and 60% were new to iPad, right? And it was just like a way to make it sound good. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We're
0: not financial analysts. We're just talking. I am okay. I will say that I I feel like, and it's anecdotal. I feel like I see way more Apple watches than I did, mm-hmm. maybe even like six months ago. Like they're just they they seem to be everywhere, and uh, and its number would point to that. I guess. Yeah, uh, they're also very happy with the AirPods, and uh, they now say that uh, again, like this. Combining of numbers, says a quote. When you tally up the last four quarters, our wearables business is now bigger than 60% of the companies in the Fortune 500. Good job. Good job, wearables. Federico, you want to tell us about the iPad?
2: Well, I, I will admit that I didn't follow earnings much because it's all... It's really difficult for me to focus on this stuff when I'm when I'm just thinking about the review, and especially because I literally came back from vacation last night. That said, um, revenue is up 15 percent, I think, year over year, and this is the third consecutive quarter that the the iPad has returned to growth. So that's a good sign, and Apple's and Apple specifically called out the. Um, the, the fact that the new lineup is performing well, so there will be the iPad, the iPad Mini, and the new iPad Air. And if I could just add my thoughts, it almost feels like whenever, you know, if Apple just pays a little bit of attention to the iPad, and, you know, that includes hardware and that includes software, things actually start to turn out. And uh, I think we're seeing that there's a more choice than ever in terms of... Um, The kind of iPad that you want to buy, you can buy a 9.7 inch up until 12.9 with the Pro. You also have the Mini and the Air in the middle. Um, I think the strategy seems to be working well and you can see how from this perspective iPadOS only makes sense in the context of Apple now has a richer and more varied lineup of iPad devices and now they're going to do the software side as well. So um, sales are up the lineup seems to be strong there's supposedly new iPads coming Um, whether this year or next year Apple has been registering a bunch of new models in the uh, what they call it the Eurasian database Um, Mm -hmm. Mac rumors or 9to5Mac articles about this so all good news in terms of in terms of iPad and we have iPadOS on the horizon so that's even better news Um, do you want me to talk about the Mac really?
0: I won't I won't make you I won't Thank make you. you talk about the Mac. Uh before we move off the iPad though, just this made me think like how do we think the iPad, iPad Air, like not the mini but like those two middle ones, like how do we think they're doing? Like do we I mean, do we think the iPad Air is doing well? It's kind of a product I don't think about much. Like do you guys think it's uh hmm. I have no It's important if Apple able to continue that.
2: I don't have a, a I don't have a good a good sense of whether people are buying the iPad Air or not. My close friends are more interested in the iPad Pro, especially the 11-inch. Um and for context, my my, you know, our friends um, you know, the, the people that Sylvia and I hang out with, um, they tend to be dancers like Sylvia and therefore are interested in the idea of being able to edit music and and cut mixes uh, with a portable computer. So we, we've been talking to at least a couple of them about the Avid Pro. Um, but I don't have, a, I haven't been at the Apple store in forever, really. I uh, and we talked about this. I don't I just don't like uh, going to the Apple store anymore. I'm not sure if things have changed under new under the new leadership yet. But I haven't been in really several months at this point. So I, I haven't I, I don't know whether people are actually going to check out the new air and buying the new air or not. Uh Judging from Mac Stories readers, uh, there's some of them that, you know, we, we be getting, we've been getting emails. And of course, also on, on Adapt, we've been getting emails for, from owners of the new iPad Air, but our audience tends to be skewed toward iPad Pro customers. So if Apple says that it's doing well, taking a face value, I guess it's doing well. I just don't have any personal opinion about it.
1: I think that these products will always exist for like bulk purchases, education, enterprise, that kind of stuff, and then they are also just different price points for people with different budgets. Um, I mean, I expect that you know the, the, the education market is, it's re- it continues to be pretty important for these two devices anyway, and I bet that that holds up quite a bit of the of the pie. Well,
0: I think we said this when the iPad air came out, it taking the slightly bigger form factor and adding the keyboard makes it a lot more attractive to like a regular consumer as well who may want to do some email and stuff on it. It's a great product. So I think the iPad Air is a, was a really smart move, and I hope that it is doing well for them and that people are drawn to it. Let's talk about the Mac before we wrap up. Uh, Double-digit revenue growth for the Mac. Uh, Apple tipping their hat to the MacBook Air and MacBook Pro the uh clearly the MacBook Air right there was just pent-up demand for an entry-level notebook that was good and the MacBook Pro was revved with those new high-end models which are really expensive and uh of course they sort of uh hint the Mac uh, with the Mac Pro there's enormous uh enormous amount of things to be excited about for the Mac and um you know the Mac Mini the iMac there's still things to to do there but uh the MacBook Air I think is probably the driver of this they they quote, you know, the 999 MacBook Air for students and third quarter worth of growth, just like the iPad. So I think, honestly, I think like the iPad, the Mac benefits from refresh models being available at a bunch of different price points. It seems so basic that Apple didn't do it for so long. And I think hopefully they're getting the picture that, look, we need to keep these things fresh pretty often because people don't want to buy, you know, like you're talking about your iMac Pro, people don't necessarily want to buy, a product that's been on the market for a year or a year and a half. That you know mm-hmm. the people are at least sort of aware of that. And I think that if we've if we can learn anything from the last you know year, it's that the iPad and the Mac are going to continue to get refreshed on a pretty regular basis. And I think that's good for everybody. Consumers clearly, it's good for Apple. So hopefully, they continue down that road.
1: Got to get the revenue from somewhere.
0: That's right. Got to sell more MacBook Airs because the iPhone is done. That's the lesson.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If you want to find links to the stuff we talked about this week, you can head over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 254. 253 was last week. 254 is this week. You can get in touch with us on that uh, page. There's an email link. You can send feedback and follow-up. Or you can do it on Twitter. Uh, You can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike is the host of a bunch of shows at Relay FM. So if you love his point of view and his voice, there's plenty of other opportunities to get that. You can follow Federico on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. He's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. And when he's not podcasting, he is in his writing cave working hard on his iOS 13 iPadOS review, which I'm very excited about. Thank you. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH. I write over at 512pixels.net. Uh, don't forget, we are live in San Francisco in just a couple of weeks with a lot of our friends. Check out that link. If it is Wednesday, July thirty first, when you're listening to this, go check out the uh, Relay FM Twitter account tomorrow. We have some some fun stuff being announced tomorrow. Not new shows, but some fun stuff. And uh, I think that's it. So until next time, gentlemen, say goodbye. Adios. Cheerio. Adios.